The Cisco Certified Internetwork Expert, or CCIE level certification, has changed in many ways since the dawn of the new Cisco certification portfolio changes. So in order to understand those changes, we've broken down the information for you into a series we will be bringing to you about the new CCIE certifications changes. In this first episode of our series, CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Exam Program Manager Peter Pollock walks us through the details behind the new CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification. Peter will give us an overview of the 8-hour practical exam for this certification, as well as walk you through other aspects such as blueprint domains, module items, exam grading, and how to best prepare for the exam. But first, Peter starts by explaining why there was a need for a change within the CCIE certification and how the CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification meets the demand for enterprise environments. It's been almost exactly a year since Cisco advertised the new CCIE and, in fact, the whole new certification portfolio. As it happened, there have been many changes related to how the certifications have been restructured and how the future of certifications in Cisco has been set up. And one of those changes has been the retirement of the CCA routing and switching and its replacement with the CCIE enterprise infrastructure. And I'd like to start this session by offering a few insights on what motivated this change of retiring the routing and switching and moving over to the enterprise infrastructure, just for us all to help to understand how the enterprise infrastructure compares and stands to the routing and switching, how it retakes the best parts of it and moves forward the legacy. I believe we can say with certainty that the CCA routing and switching was a golden standard in expert level network certification, both for its quality, both for its level, and also thanks to its universal nature. And this is a huge credit to all the people that have been steering and guiding the CCA routing and switching throughout the whole time it existed. The natural target of the routing and switching was the enterprise environment. So the campus networks, the branches, the connectivity to one on the edge of the network, and connectivity across the WAN, usually using some kind of overlay such as DNVPN. However, many of the routing and switching topics have been fundamental, and they also cover a decent ground for environments not just purely related to enterprise. Think of data center job roles, service provider, or security environments. Not that RNS would be covering everything, nor should it. it covered a decent ground and provided solid foundations to build onto. And also, thanks to this, candidates who did the CC routing and switching, they had pretty good starting point to also branch into multiple CCDs afterwards, since some of the ground has already been covered and, and solidly. So these are very nice things about the routing and switching, but at the same time, this also made the routing and switching a bit tricky to position and to scope both for you, our customers, and for us in Cisco. Just as an example, if you take the routing and switching as a name, think of what should go into it. And if we think about routing, then there were times in the past where we covered RIP, we covered EIGRP, we covered OSPF, we covered BGP, we even had ODR, which is a curiosity in itself, CDP as a routing protocol, why didn't we have ISIS? Surely, RIP or ODR are not better than ISIS. And of course, and then the counter argument would come in, yeah, but routing and switching is more about the enterprise networks while ISIS is more of a service provider thing. And of course, it would be completely right. So you see the implicit 
and the intuitive understanding of what the certification should and could cover by its name somewhat diverged from its intended marketplace and the business it was really focusing in the first place. The new certification portfolio, as unveiled the last year, is much more cognizant of the job environment and role, not just differentiating the tracks based on their technology. This is because we want to help you tailor the certifications that you're going for more to your job role and your job tasks. Think of the concentration exams at the CCNP level. And also, it helps to more cleanly define the boundary, what should and what should not go into a certification exam, because now it's much more clear what type of business, what type of environment we are targeting. And so these were some of the motivations behind slowly and gracefully retiring the CCA routing and switching, but retaking the best parts of it. Let me say we retook almost everything. Retaking the most best part of it and making the CCA enterprise infrastructure a faithful, shall I say, feasible successor to the routing and switching, but with a clear focus on the enterprise environment. And this is also what motivates the blueprint, the content, and what goes into the exam. So please, whenever you read through the blueprint, keep in mind that this was what motivated us. Why we put any single item in the blueprint? Because we felt it is relevant to today's and future enterprise networks. And while the focus has been narrowed down this way slightly, because we now know better what kind of business we're looking into, and we added some enterprise-specific technologies, the CCI enterprise infrastructure still keeps a high degree of being universal and being reusable also as a foundation for other certifications you may be interested in. In order to understand how the CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification takes the best parts from the CCIE Routing and Switching Certification, it's important to understand the history, but let's go even further back and start with the CCIE certification as a whole. If you already know this history, please feel free to skip ahead two minutes to get back to understanding the overview and scope of the new CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification exam. It is a standard of excellence that we're very proud of, but most of all, I'm proud of the opportunity it presents for you as we present a program together that can truly change your career, change your company, and change the future of the internet. It's really a differentiator. The Cisco Certified Internetwork Expert, or CCIE level certification, was actually the first certification to be released by Cisco. On September 27, 1993, the then-Vice President of Cisco at the time, John Chambers, announced in a Cisco press release that, quote, The CCIE program begins where other vendor certification programs leave off. It can be compared to completing a university course versus taking college entrance exams. Prospective CCIE candidates must be highly qualified just to enter the program, and then, after taking an intensive troubleshooting course, must pass a rigorous hands-on lab test conducted by senior support engineers. This very stringent set of requirements ensures that only the best professionals are selected." End quote. Stuart Biggs, a technical lead at Cisco in software, voice, and video development, was a big reason why the CCIE certification came into being. In August of 1992, Mr. Biggs was asked to train the lead network engineers at Ford Motors on Cisco's new products at the time, which included AGS, AGS Plus, and MGS products. It was a challenging request because Ford Motors wanted their engineers to have hands-on experience with the lab topology environments, and at the time there really hadn't been any way to demonstrate this. 
So Stuart Biggs spent the night before thinking of ways he could break his own lab topology and have the students try to figure out how to fix it. In doing so, Ford's network engineers successfully understood the technology they needed to learn, and the news made its way to John Chambers. Together, Chambers and Biggs put together a curriculum with a team of experts that would eventually become the CCIE certification. The highlight of this certification was that it was the only one at the time that could tell employers that this person really had hands-on experience. The exam would ensure that. The original CCIE test included a two-day lab exam of configuring and troubleshooting, which didn't change until around 2001. So the CCIE was meant to show employers that this certification meant the best of the best. The original name of the program was actually Top Gun, and they even had Top Gun fighter pilot style jackets similar to those you would see in the Top Gun movie when you would get into the program. Over the next decade, the CCIE certification grew into other certification tracks. The CCIE routing and switching certification was the most popular CCIE track. This certification track was for expert-level network engineers who can plan, operate, and troubleshoot complex and converged network infrastructure. Then, on April 27, 2020, the CCIE Routing and Switching Certification was replaced by the new CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification. CCI Enterprise Infrastructure, just like any other CCI practical exam, is an eight-hour exam that currently consists of three-hour design section and a five-hour do or deploy operate optimize section. The design section contains tasks in the form of web-based items. There is no access to devices. The five-hour section, the do section, contains primarily of hands-on tasks, but also a handful of web-based items. Once again, we're talking about enterprise infrastructure, and I'm emphasizing that we are very strongly rooted in the routing and switching, and I'm repeating it so often because I understand the anxiety and the uncertainty of coming to a new exam, new name, and possibly new content, but I want to assure you that if you felt comfortable with the routing and switching, you are in a very good company in a very familiar environment inside enterprise infrastructure as well. The lab topology in enterprise infrastructure is a hybrid consisting of virtual and physical parts. And this is because one of the technologies, namely software-defined access, depends on hardware-based switches since we do not currently have the virtual counterparts. So we need to run it on physical devices. As for the platforms, for the legacy iOS devices, we're using the vIOS and vIOS L2. And those of you who know or use viral or CML, you know these types of images already. We have CSR 1KV for the iOS XE as a router. Then we have the whole series of virtual machines that together comprise the Viptela SD1 solution. And then there is the identity services engine ICE that is a part of the DNAC and SDA solution. Obviously, we need to have the DNA center and hardware-based Catalyst 9Ks to provide for the SDA functionality. And also, the topology that you will be configuring will also contain virtual machines as end hosts. And in this case, they will not be emulated, those end hosts, by another routers. They will be full, normal virtual machines with a Linux, Debian, GNU Linux operating system. And I'll come back to them in a second. Just to quicken your juices a little, this is a photo made last September. Peter moves next to a picture of racks in a data center in one of our DC locations where we host CCI equipment. And what you see here are the racks for the CCI enterprise infrastructure, not cabled yet at that point. Obviously they are all cabled now. And as you can see, they consist of 
a terminal server, this is the black box with the green wire sticking out of it, a bunch of Catalyst 9Ks, the DNA center, and a pretty beefy UCS server that runs the virtual part of the topology. So these racks together, and there are more of them, these are the ones that you work with if you come in and sit for the exam. The topology runs somewhere here. I mentioned the DBN virtual machine in the topology. This is a virtual machine that is placed in the same topology as the virtual routers and the virtual switches and the VAGs and so on. And it's there to provide you with the end host type of device. It's there for you to do connectivity tests, pings, trace routes. It's for you to access the internal servers in your topology. You need to operate vManage and DNAC to be precise. And it's also, it is there because some of the tasks require programming, programmability, and those Debian virtual machines come in with some development tools already installed. The desktop environment is based on LXDE. The browser inside those virtual machines is Firefox. Editors that will be available are Nano, Vim, Joe, Gedit, and also uh, MCEdit if you happen to be using Midnight Commander. Regarding the programmability and scripting, there is a Python 3.8 installed and a bunch of tools to make the development with Python a little more pleasant. It's IPython, Idle, and Eclipse plus PyDev. Then there are two libraries for Python that allow you to do RESTConf or HTTP requests in general and netconf requests, the request and NC client libraries, and there is a Postman, a tool that you can also use to talk to APIs. There's also a bunch of other tools installed on those virtual machines we will never ask you to use, but they are there. So if they could help you in accomplishing a goal, by all means, use them. It's Perl, it's Dash, even compilers for C and C++. And finally, there is a bunch of network tools installed on those virtual machines, allowing you to do all sorts of packet injection, packet capture, manipulation, and so on. Simply allow you to do stuff with those machines as far as networking is concerned. Peter moves next to a picture of a desktop with four windows open, showing various types of code in the Cisco vManage window. This is a snapshot of one of those desktops, of those virtual machines. We've pulled out some of the most often used tools to the desktop and the rest is hidden somewhere in the menu. should be fairly easy. The content of the CCI Enterprise Infrastructure is covered by a document we call Blueprint. Sometimes it's called Exam Topics, but internally and throughout this session we'll also call it the Blueprint. In Peter's next slide, he lists the five blueprint domains of the CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Practical Exam and their weight in the exam indicated by a percentage. For network infrastructure, it's about 30%. Software-defined infrastructure, 25%. Transport technologies and solutions, 15%. And infrastructure automation and programmability at 15%. It consists of five large areas we call the domains, and I will be diving deeper into each of these domains in a second. For now, I just want to point your attention to the weights of these domains because they show you the relative importance of individual domains on the overall score. So the classical networking is still the most important part of the overall score, closely followed by the software-defined technologies, SDA, SD-WAN, and then come the rest of the domains. Please keep these weights in mind. I'll be coming back to them later. Just keep them in mind as you read through the blueprint and ponder what importance and what difficulty we might be assigning to individual tasks that relate to these domains. 
Drilling in more deeply, the domain one is called the network infrastructure. This is the good old classic networking. Also, we could say the traditional or the underlay. It covers all the usual technologies like Ethernet switching, VLANs, trunks, access ports, port channels, STP, all the type of stuff. Then IP routing, both the protocols we've called out here and some of the topics that are usual for all or shared for all the routing protocols, such as authentication, filtering, summarization, fine-tuning, redistribution, and so on. This domain borrows heavily from the routing and switching blueprint. So if you have been familiar with this domain in the routing and switching, you are in a very good company. Almost all of it has been retaken. The second domain is the software-defined infrastructure. And obviously, this one contains the new, well, still kind of new kids on the block. SD-WAN and SD-Access or SDA. This blueprint is brand new and we know that these two technologies, SD-WAN and SD-Access, are huge ones. I want to assure you, we are reasonable exactly because of that, because we know that these technologies are vast and they're not that easily accessible. And we also know that they are not as popular yet as the classical networking. So also the overall knowledge and experience and exposure is smaller. We are acknowledging this and we are thinking of this very strongly as we create items and tasks for this domain. If you know how to create an SD-WAN VPN, if you know how to create an SDA VN, if you know how to interwork them together using BGP and DNAC, and if you know how to do some sort of optimization, such as do some kind of inter-VPN route leaking in SDN, similar, you have a wonderful starting position. If we were in classical networking, I would say this is basics. And yes, I'm talking about basics in SDN and SDA even here. If you know this, you have a very solid start, just some fine sugar on it to be able to just pass this domain quite easily. And especially since the DNEC is a universe on its own, I want to assure you that within the scope of this exam, we're only focusing on those DNEC features that are relevant to SDA. We're not going to DNEC as a complete solution. That one is not relevant for us. We are looking at the DNAC as only the tool to drive the SDA, but the SDA is the meat here. And regarding the ICE, which is a necessary component of the SDA solution, there is no focus on ICE whatsoever. No single task will ask you to lay your hands on ICE. Every single task can be done without even thinking of ICE, aside from acknowledging it's there and it's been already configured for you. You will have access to it. You can go to it, you can access it, you will have admin access, you can check it, you can even change it if necessary. So if you know something about it, it doesn't harm, but no task requires you to know anything about it. Moving on, the third domain is the transport technologies and solutions. This domain covers mostly one transport technologies, MPLS, MPLS L3 VPNs, and DNVPN, I didn't call out one additional item that you might find there, or that you will find in the blueprint. It's called the Identify Use Cases for Flex VPN. The DNVPN has, however, been shrunk to just troubleshooting tasks. We will not be asking you to deploy the DNVPN from scratch on a greenfield. It's going to be always pre-configured and broken so that you will need to somehow troubleshoot it and make it work again. Again, this is a domain that heavily borrows from the RNS so again, this is a familiar territory for all of you who had already been touching the RMS and preparing for it.
The fourth domain is called the infrastructure, security, and services. This is a treasure cage for all those tools and bells and whistles that somehow don't fit anywhere else. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the protection of the management plane and the control plane of devices using ACLs. Using ACLs to filter the data traffic. Talking about management of devices using SNMP and Secure Shell and Telnet perhaps and NetConf. QoS tasks also fall in here. Network services such as first hub redundancy protocols, DHCP, DHCP snooping, DHCP relay agent, dynamic garb inspection, IP source guard, you know the drill. And again, this is almost one-to-one copy of what used to be in the routing and switching. So again, a familiar territory, a common ground. And finally, the last domain, is the infrastructure automation and programmability. This obviously covers the tasks related to device and task automation. So what can you expect in? Tasks and items revolving around JSON and XML formats for data encoding, understanding their differences, their features, their capabilities. Then scripting, both scripting in EEM alone which is a topic that has been in CCA routing and switching for ages. Then extending the EEM with Python, and both as embedded Python scripts and with Python scripts running in vanilla mode on guest shell on iOS XE-based devices. And finally, there's the use of APIs, talking to vManage, talking to DNA Center, Talking to iOS XC API using either Python or Postman, depending on what you want to do, what's more convenient for you, and using either NC client for NetConf or requests for REST API calls as you see fit and as the device supports them. Also, the model-driven telemetry and gRPC falls into this domain. And again, this is the second brand new Blueprint domain that we have here. And again, we are being reasonable. We know that we are not certifying you on software engineering skills. So we're not going to be looking into how your scripts look like. We're not going to grade you whether your scripts are neat or spaghetti. We're not going to judge you based on if your algorithm is linear or quadratic. We're not going to be mad if you used a list instead of dictionary. We simply want you to be able to automatize yourself out of repetitive tasks. Summing it all up and comparing it to the previous routing and switching blueprint as a whole, there's obviously a bunch of topics that have been either removed completely or their coverage has shrunk considerably. There's one topic you may find yourself adopting, which is the Cisco Express forwarding. Obviously, we couldn't drop this one because it's still the forwarding mechanism in all iOS-based devices. The thing is that by this time, it's a mechanism that pretty much lives on its own and there are not too many knobs to tune it. So the coverage has shrunk. It's still necessary to understand how it works, but there's no tasks on it. The next difference between the routing and switching and the enterprise infrastructure blueprint is that for most technologies, we have removed the action verbs from the blueprint and from the individual items in the blueprint. So no more describe this, identify that, explain ABC, implement XYZ, whatever. This is because the whole CCIE is now looking at the network lifecycle from a more comprehensive way. This obviously means that the scope of the individual items has widened because if we don't say optimize OSPF, if we just say OSPF, we assume everything that goes hand in hand with the widened scope and the more holistic approach to the skill set necessary for networking. 
Finally, there have been topics added, a couple of, I would say, small, tiny things and extensions, and then obviously those huge new technologies and new areas, SD1, SDA, and programmability automation. These three make the most of the changes and are by far the most significant updates to the blueprint. They are heavyweight, absolutely, but once again, Let's put things into perspective, and I'm coming back to the percentages and weights I was talking about a few minutes ago. SDX, which consists of SD-WAN and SDA combined, is one quarter of all your score on the exam. The programmability is 15% of the overall score. Obviously, you cannot fail the domain completely. You need to know something. You need to be able to accomplish something. But the exam does not fall and stand on SDX or programmability alone. CCI Enterprise Infrastructure is not and will not be an SDX only or programmability only exam. It's a comprehensive networking where both the traditional networking and the SDX networking and the programmability have their place. And we currently define that still looking at it, the traditional networking plays as an isolated domain, plays the most important role. Now, you may be thinking at this point that we've retaken almost everything from the routing and switching and just bloated it again with SDA, SD1 programmability. To a point, it's right. I need to emphasize that when we have been looking at the blueprint, we've been asking ourselves what technologies are relevant, what technologies you will be facing in the enterprises for years to come. Some of those technologies are obviously new and the new players, SDA, SD1. Some Older technologies, even though probably we all would like to see them go away, think spreading tree protocol, well, there is no way of getting rid of them since we still have classic Ethernet, the edges facing the computers will still be running plain Ethernet, and the installed base is so huge that we just cannot ignore how many of those installations are out there. And we would be doing UAD service if we simply drop those topics because sooner or later we, will, we would still be faced in any requirement to have some kind of proficiency on them. And obviously, despite all the shining words and all the wonderful things that are being said about the SDX technologies, they are overlays and they need something to run on top of and that's the classical networking. So that's why we need to cover them both. To hear more from CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Exam Program Manager Peter Pollock, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There you will be able to find more information about other CCIE certifications as well as community pages and upcoming live webinars featuring Peter and many other experts who explain what's new in the CCIE certification track. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast so that you know when our upcoming episodes on different CCIE certification tracks will be released. And please rate and review us on iTunes to help continue this show.